You're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcaster Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. While we as a society in this age are quickly forgetting about coins when it comes to finances, ancient curses dark ceremonies, and Satan himself are all something that will forever be tethered to coins. Inside this episode, we find the sage old coin toss has a particularly evil result with a twist. It's time to see what Jack, Mickey, and Ryan have cooking up inside this episode. It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete detailed and always educational review of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 4, Tales I Live, Heads You Die. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. Dispatch that. Nick, I have all kinds of friends inside of law enforcement circles whom I podcast with. And what I'm super excited to announce is that we'll soon be starting a dispatcher podcast. Oh, really? For those that don't know what a dispatcher is inside of law enforcement circles, it's the person you get on the phone when you call 911. So the person that dispatches officers, the person that dispatches services of all kinds and has some of the best quality stories I've ever heard are people that I've connected with and we're going to be launching a new podcast here in the next series of months, which I look forward to sharing with all of you. Look for more information soon. 33 years full circle. Dr. Mark is a friend of mine that I've evoked inside of a great many podcasts, bringing him in to talk about different things, whether it's something like, I don't know, ripping the heart out of someone's chest and letting them watch it beat. Could you actually do that? Or well, talking you about. Can in Temple of Doom. <laughs> well, that's what we talked that, about. That taught us a lot. Yeah. What kind of head trauma has somebody received inside of any one of the television shows that I've reviewed? Well, I brought him in and we've talked about all kinds of different trauma that a body would experience, whether or not it was real or not. Dr. Mark is one of my oldest friends from high school. And we've had ups, we've had downs, but most importantly, we've had entertaining educational times together. And I'm super happy to report that those times will be resuming with the onset of his own podcast, which I am so absolutely honored to be able to present to all of you. 
I can't share any of the details, mostly because I'm building audience anticipation for it. So look for more information about the Dr. Mark's Brain podcast. Can't wait, buddy. Is that what it's called? No. Oh, okay. Good. Because I I was going to say, it's a horrible title, Mike. Enough housekeeping and reminiscing. It's time for the retelling for this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. Season 2, Episode 4. Tales I live, heads you die. A dark cemetery. Two shovels are plundering the earth. Someone is watching intently and is taking spy camera photos of the two people digging into a grave. A third man approaches the two digging. He looks just like Sean Connery. However, he's not Sean Connery and certainly costs less money. Hence, we will be calling him Cheap Sean Connery. Cheap Sean Connery spurs them on. They finally find the coffin that they're all looking for. They pull up the coffin from the grave as the photographer continues to watch. As they begin to walk away, an aged caretaker accosts them and states, Who are you? I'm calling the police. Cheap Sean Connery flips him a coin, but not a good one, and says, Here, the call's on me. Keep the change, you filthy animal. The coin surface begins to illuminate and discharges a bold yellow beam, striking the aged caretaker in the forehead, killing him and tossing his body back into the grave. Cheap Sean Connery picks up the coin, and soon the three of them appear in a dark pentagram-floored room where evil chants are being emitted. The coffin is placed at the center of circled people and a pentagram. The chants continue. Cheap Sean Connery states, We will invoke Satan's will. It's time to bring him forth. They've risen this, the strongest of warriors, and they're going to bring him back from death. The photographer continues to take super cool spy photos and also makes voice memos on a voice recorder. Cheap Sean Connery opens the coffin. He raises the same coin as before and places it on the dead man's forehead. And so it shall be. Lightning strikes. Lights flash. Thunder rolls somehow inside of the wherever the hell they are. Candles blow out and dead eyes awaken. The coin disappears into the dead man's forehead and then... He rises from his coffin. Cheap Sean Connery kisses the dead man's hand and says, Welcome back, brother. Back at the Curious Good Shop, Ryan is making a clay version of Mickey. Ooh, it's so hot! Jack brings drinks and mocks Ryan's kick-ass work. Mickey recognizes Ryan's talents, and they all eventually realize that, guys, this gig won't last forever. The phone rings. Give me Jack Marshak. Hey, it's the dude that found Jack's name from someone down at the morgue. It's something about the occult. It's time to meet him. Unfortunately, he's needed to leave an envelope inside of a locker. The key to the locker is taped inside something or other inside the episode detail. Mike doesn't remember it, so he's going to continue to talk. 
I think I just saw a man come back from the dead. And then the line goes dead. The super spy photo taken caller is taken by the cheap Sean Connery entourage. Mickey will stay behind to answer the phones. <laughs> Jack and Ryan will head down to the station to investigate more details that the man left behind. The man reawakens in a drunken state in a room. He's being accosted by Cheap Sean Connery, and they're trading verbal barbs back and forth. The Dark Lords work on one side. What is bright, light, and glorious is on the other. Apparently, eight months ago, Carl, the now recently raised dead dude, was killed and is now the first of three souls to return from the dead. Carl will now call more spirits. Cheap Sean Connery found the other two bodies. With those two bodies combined with the third, they will be able to allow Satan to once again take the throne. Hail Satan! Ryan finds the locker and the envelope. Kick ass! The photographer is being taken to be sacrificed. Bogus! Back at the Curious Goods shop, Ryan and Jack bring back the treasure trove of photos from the man's camera, along with film, obituaries, and a voice recorder. They play back the tape. It's dark enchantments. The Lord's Prayer chanted backwards. It's a black mass. Back to the graveyard, where the photographer's life is being taken via, you guessed it, the flipped coin, which once again takes a soul, and will now give the ability to another one gone to rise. Cheap Sean Connery reclaims the coin and heads for the next resurrection. The morning paper claims that the photographer is dead, as is the aged caretaker. They continue to check out the developed photos and stuff, and hey, they match the dead man from the newspapers. Time to check that taxidermy shop thing down the street. Why not, right? Why not? Inside the taxidermy shop, hey, look, it's Cheap Sean Connery, who meets Ryan and Jack, who offer Cheap Sean Connery a business card. They're looking for trophy heads. Ooh, ah, unfortunately, Cheap Sean Connery says... We do custom work here. We don't have anything for you. Time for you lads to shove off. And so they do. Apparently, Cheap Sean Connery is far too busy to deal with the likes of them. All right, modification to the game plan. Jack's going to go back to check out and see what Mickey's learned. Ryan's going back to the museum to see what's up over there, especially in regard to the boxes that were seen. You know, the ones with the label for the museum on them. Those boxes. Meanwhile, Cheap Sean Connery has opened the secret pathway and descended to the bowels of the taxidermy shop. What does he find there? Resurrected Carl, who, thanks to Cheap Sean Connery, learns more about what Jack and Ryan have shared with him. Mickey's found out what the symbol on the surface of the coin that killed the photographer and caretaker is. It's the coin of Xyrocles. She and Jack give us the exposition needed to understand the powers of the coin and the mechanics of how it could potentially be recovered. It's all done quickly. It's all done expediently. And now we all know everything that we didn't know before. Everybody got that? Jack and Mickey return to the taxidermy shop and also find that soup 
super secret door to the bowels of the taxidermy shop and begin checking it all out because I know I would if I was there. They follow the torchlights, an ominous chance from below to find a familiar gathering of those in black, a pentagrammed room, an altar, where another box, you know, the one that had been discovered earlier, is now everyone's focus. They open this coffin to reveal an incredibly rotting body and begin the same invocation as previously. And once again, the coin is placed upon the forehead. Magical lightning and thunder and awesome continues to appear inside somehow, as does the voice of Satan himself. Hello. This new body rises and they welcome... A dude named Tyriel! A dude from a hundred years ago! They all embrace this new spirit and are now awakened by the coin of Xyrocles! Tonight, we will rise the third spirit. Right after Mickey interrupts the ceremony with an errant sound. I can't believe it! Mickey made a sound and now the entire plan is kaput! Mickey and Jack make a run for it! Jack heads one way! Mickey heads the other. The black ninja hordes chase after Jack. Cheap Sean Connery accosts Mickey and <gasps> kills her with the coin. No! Jack makes it back to the shop, but Mickey <gasps> is not there. Ryan and Jack head back to the taxidermy shop where <gasps> the police have cordoned off the area. Where... Oh my gosh, they find dead Mickey. She is dead. Ryan is inconsolable. Jack is now not a man of action, but still steadfast and gives the police a business card. And eventually, Jack and Ryan leave. The third body is now in place. Satan's mistress is the last soul to be resurrected. Hiberia is her name. It's time to raise her and live in Satan's name. Hail Satan! They begin opening the final body to be resurrected, which is maggot and worm-ridden, just as all bodies that have been rotting for thousands of years apparently still are. But this body is the next in line to be brought back with the help of the dark powers. The deep dark bog that this witch was tossed in hundreds of years ago has kept her quite preserved, Mike. Right. Jack and Ryan contemplate their fates back at the curious good shop. Ryan is angry. Jack is contemplative. Ryan blames Jack. Jack soothes Ryan. They embrace and realize that they have to continue the work to help other people that love other people so that they don't experience the same fate. Your lack of empathy is disturbing, Mike. Back at the taxidermy shop, Alter... It is time. Now, back to work, Jack and Ryan are reading more kick-ass books and stuff to find out more information about what they need to do to foil the devil's resurrection. Tonight is the night they accost the dark powers. Ryan finally states that when this is over, this is it. He's done. He doesn't want to go through the same thing when Jack dies. As they enter into the taxidermy shop, the ninja witches in robes attack. 
Boxes and shelves and characters are thrown left and right, and we find out what happens next, right after this commercial. Cheap Sean Connery has finally prepared the final body for the final ritual of the final scene of this episode. It's time to have Jack emerge, hidden inside of the black robes, and put a dagger to Cheap Sean Connery's throat. He asks, where's the coin? Cheap Sean Connery then realizes he can show Jack where the coin is if both of them conveniently step out of that room into another room. Unfortunately, when they reach that room, Jack is accosted by the hundred-year-old dead dude. Now they must find where Ryan took the last body. They find him and prepare everything for the last ceremony. They all gather inside the same familiar circle room. Cheap Sean Connery continues to chant. Chant, 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 I'm chanting, chant. Then the dead dude Carl chants. Chant, chant, chant. Then the hundred-year-old dude chants. Chant, chant, chant. It's time to raise Iberia, Satan's concubine herself. Satan's voice responds. He's on his way. Jack and Ryan realize that they have to try to get loose to do something. Cheap Sean Connery finishes out the incantation and grabs the coin. Jack and Ryan are now loose. And they enter the room as Cheap Sean Connery puts the coin onto what we presume is the ancient mummy's forehead. The ancient mummy rises, and from underneath a very ornately put-together face mask is Mickey. The building shudders and shakes. Jack actions Mickey out of the coffin and vacates as the rest are shaken off platforms, crushed beneath beams and more heavy things. Ryan and Jack take Mickey and the coin and are confronted then by Cheap Sean Connery. Not so fast. Who is eventually fooled by the half dollar that Ryan chooses to toss into the air instead of the coin of Xerocles. Unfortunately, Ryan also drops the coin. The area continues to shake and luck of the dark satanic draw equals... Cheap Sean Connery is crushed by more debris and falling beams. Ow, it it hurts. I'm dying. I'm squished. Jack, Ryan, and now resurrected Mickey make their way back to the Curious Goods shop. You see, apparently, they swiped Mickey's body from the local morgue. They made a mask of Hiberian's face and put it over Mickey's body. Then they put her body back in place of the Hiberian body. While it's all happy endings at the Curious Goods antique shop, the coin, you know, this week's cursed object, remains below, underneath debris, cheap Sean Connery bodies, and is just out of the grasp of a rotting hand, making the item not recovered. Every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, has goods and bads. Let's get to the goods. Practical special effects. Man, this is just a cornucopia of gold in regard to 
practical special effects that instantly shows what even in a 43-minute format you can do mm. with effective, very well-done practical effects. It is all wonderful. Yeah. Everything from the stage lighting inside of each of the incidents that you see inside of this episode to the makeup of the dead bodies. Yeah. Uh, one that is... I Relatively only newer. about a year dead. <laughs> yeah, the other then you one's get another 100. one is a hundred years, and then the last one is several hundred years. So m- almost mummified from the preservation of the yeah. the clay bog that it had been uh, dug up out of. Yeah, it's really extraordinary, and it is a perfect showcase as to why somewhere inside of storytelling there needs to be some practical element Mm. that can be always augmented by digital stuffs. But when you've got something that is, that is made, that is right there in front of you that's really well done, there isn't a substitute. Yeah. It just isn't. And augmented is probably the best word to use. Practical effects augmented by special effects to hide the strings yeah, or the, the pulleys. The or crimes. The, yeah. yeah. All mm-hmm. of the, the, yeah. the creases that, that you would see normally, that's what CGI should be used, specifically in horror, because mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. practical effects are better than digital effects, especially when you go back and you see stuff from the 70s and the 80s when they didn't have any other option but practical effects. Mm-hmm. And this episode is one of the reasons... Because when I was a kid and I saw this... It was just, ooh, cool, oh, wow, look, it. oh. Now, as an adult and, and having knowledge of filmmaking and special effects, this is awesome to yeah. see mm-hmm. on the small screen. So and, I, and, I really appreciate it. And way too rare. Yeah. The, the willingness to go to not only practical but effective practical effects right. is far too rare. It just is. Reasonable storytelling. This was extraordinary because there is not a moment inside of this episode, whether we're focusing on our three heroes or we're focusing on the details and perspective of each of the characters that is not only referred to, but then brought back to life. Mm. Oh, and hey, by the way, Satan, it's it's very effective. You would think that with all of those elements that I've just mentioned only in that brief, short period of time inside of 43 minutes, it would get very, very convoluted. But it doesn't. It becomes a piece of storytelling that's a blossom that allows you to see a garden of things instead of just one flower. And it's really effective in this episode. It's one of those instances where storytelling, you get the right amount of exposition from the right character at the right time to where you never feel like you're being force-fed anything. True. Absolutely true. Pacing is on point. Nick and I will never tire of telling all of our audiences how effective and required solid pacing is inside oh, of yeah. any storytelling. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's the writing of a paragraph. Doesn't matter if it's somebody with a poem. Doesn't matter if it's somebody in a stand-up comedy routine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's a presidential candidate or a president. It all has to have some kind of pace that is not only effective, but somehow almost like a like an electrical socket that is waiting for you to put a plug into it. Because if any of those dynamics are missing, the pace suffers. The faster that the pace suffers, the faster your attention span suffers. Right. The faster your attention span suffers, the faster you don't care about anything that you're watching or taking in. Yeah. And so this episode, without question, is on point when it comes to pace. 
We normally only have three goods inside of this episode, but I have to add a fourth one. It's off the top of my head as we're recording this episode, and it is what has become of the retelling incidents inside of this show. We've altered the format from what we had originally started inside of conjuring what happened inside the episodes, and this one was so much fun to recreate for all of you. And I hope that that is that exuberance is shown inside of this retelling of this episode. Like all podcasts, <laughs> I think there's a there's a ability to evolve your mm-hmm. your platform, your, your craft, your craft. And when we started doing the retellings for this show, we wanted to make sure that they were as detailed as possible, just in case somebody wasn't able to watch the episode they'd be able to understand everything we talked about when we started talking about yeah. the goods and the bads and our manifest moments and things like that. But it it's evolved into more of a, I don't want to say slapstick comedy routine, but we want to make these retellings as enjoyable for the listener as possible yeah. instead of us just droning on about, yeah. and this happened in the story, <clears throat> yeah. and then this happened in the story. And guess what? This happened in the story. We may get a little bit silly sometimes in our retelling, but it's all for the entertainment of oh, yeah. not only our listeners, but for us, it's ourselves as oh, well. Totally. Cause... totally. And, and this episode is, this will be one of the pinnacles of us recording this series without question. It, it incorporates so many of the, the wonderful pieces of, I love to laugh inside mm-hmm. of it. And so it's, I hope you all enjoy it. Anyway, I'm adding that as our extra f- super bonus fourth good point inside this episode of the curious goods. Those are the positives that we found inside of this episode, along with a whole bunch of other ones that, frankly, we just, we're not going to take the time to put in. But we do want to hear from you what you thought was grand about this episode. Season 2, Episode 4. Tales I live, heads you die. Let us know what you think by going to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us what you think. Every episode of Friday the 13th has its goods, but it also has its bads. Here are just three of the not-so-goods we found in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Recycled Bad Guy. This is something that I noticed right off the bat when we're introduced to... (laughs) Cheap Sean Connery, as we called him in the in the retelling, his character's name was like Sylvan or something who like cares? that. Yeah, who cares? His, his name cheap is Cheap Sean cares? Connery. <laughs> but uh, he's he's played by Colin Fox, who is this great character Spectacular. actor. Spectacular. Who is Spectacular. all over the place. Just take a look at his IMDb page. He's been working for, for decades. He's still working. To show how much he loves to work, this is his second appearance as a bad guy on Friday the 13th. For those of you who don't remember... Like me. Like Mike. Mike did not realize (laughs) it until I I pointed it out. Colin Fox was actually the bad guy in season one, episode two, The Poison Pen. And I have a problem with this show recycling actors. Or at least I did when it happened the first time. In season one... We had the same actor playing the bad guy in Cupid's Quiver and in Brain Drain. Mm-hmm. 
Which I did notice. That one I did notice. It was very it was very it was painfully noticeable yeah. because nothing had really changed about the look of the actor, just the character he was playing. Right. Whereas with Colin Fox, there's there's a whole different facial hair design. I mean, he was clean shaven when he was a monk in, in Poison Pen. He's got a nice coiffed goatee. He's not wearing a robe the entire time, so you're actually seeing his head. There was a different demeanor to him as well. There was more sinisterness in this portrayal. Mm -hmm. Not to mention you also have almost an entire season's worth of episodes spread out before he's recycled. Yeah. The only reason why we have this as a bad is because... Nick is a picky bastard. I am. I I am a (laughs) Nick picker. And I, I think it needs to be addressed because, well, come on, guys. There are plenty of actors out there. I'm sure there are even more of them in Canada who want to work. <laughs> and I guess the best man for the job, okay, but but come on, he's already been a bad guy. Really, it all boils down to the fact that we needed things to complain about for this episode, and this just happens to be one of them. Far too short. Normally, we have issues with some of these episodes where they take something that is simple and make it overly complicated, and it sometimes can be a slog to get through in an episode. This is not one of those. This is actually one of those episodes where the story is so good, we wanted more. We wanted a two-part. This, mm-hmm. the, this story could have been developed to encompass two episodes because we barely get any kind of exposure to the investigative reporter Mm -hmm. who's been following the murders and following Mm -hmm. the cult Mm -hmm. that could have been padding right there Mm -hmm. we could have gotten more information on the cult and then now you have three ex-cult members that need to be resurrected we could have worked on all three of their backstories instead of just getting you know very brief synopsises and snippets Mm -hmm. of who they are and what they did totally This one could have infused the entire storyline for at least two episodes. I think this is one of those, they they didn't traditionally do this back then in the 80s, but multiple episodes where this is a piece of some sort of arc. They they just didn't do arc storytelling back then. If this was something that was done in the late 90s, early 2000s, it would have been at least half of a season's arc on something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or hell, even Supernatural. Yeah. The acquisition of those bodies and their backstories could have been separate episodes unto themselves. Yeah, Yeah. there's there's no question. I I think also you and I have talked several times about how if this show were, haha, resurrected, Mm. this is a piece. This is a piece that could easily propel a portion of a season, Mm -hmm. if not the entire storyline. Because it's all based on cursing and, and, and things that are cursed and Satan. And, and bringing Satan back. All, all, all of those things work, and there are enough really, really smart writers right now where all of that could be woven as a wonderful tapestry. Not only as an homage to the original show, mm-hmm. but as something that could call in all of these things effectively over the course of many episodes instead of just one 43-minute episode. And again, just far too short. Coin mechanics. Again, folks, we are trying to stretch it out just a little bit by by doing some some picking of our own. 
There was one thing, though, that I just never really understood, and it was ne- it's never really explained in the episode. Mm-hmm. So the coin, you flip it, and it kills whoever you flipped it at. Gotcha. Totally understand that. It absorb- The coin absorbs the life force of that person. So dead, powered coin, awesome. Put it on the forehead of whoever you're trying to resurrect. It glows, it, it, it blinks, and then it fades. It looks as if it fades into the forehead of the body, and then you've got resurrection. But then all of a sudden, you know, your bad guy, Cheap Sean Connery, has the coin again. There was never any kind of explanation of, so the it didn't melt into the, the body, it just disappeared and went back into the pocket of the owner. Quote-unquote, like the, the owner. Whatever, the wielder, yeah. yes. Yeah. And really, who cares? Right. Uh, again, it, 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 it's, it's blown over right. with the brilliant pacing inside of this mm-hmm. episode, so much so that we don't care. Well, you're distracted because it's bringing back a damn corpse, <clears throat> right. and you're and, so distracted by the fact that it is a corpse, and it, it look, it's a good-looking corpse, too. It's like it's all, 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 of them. all rotted and, and decayed. Mm-hmm. So you actually have to think about, well, well wait a minute. He's got a, is there more than one coin? Because that's what I was thinking. I was thinking halfway through the episode when he's using it again, I was like, so is this like an evil coin collection? That would be interesting. And see, when you say something like coin collection, I yeah. instantly think of easily being able to propel an entire season. 13 cursed coins something. that steal yeah. life energy. Yeah. Again, it right there's 13 separate episodes right yeah. there. Yeah. And and those things the the mechanics of what we're talking about they don't have to be spelled out mm. but they have to be alluded to and if this episode would have had more time i.e. the whole far too short problem yeah this would have had more time to to marinate some of those factoids into us right and i i think it would have been more valuable just because it would have given more power to the coin and the creepy past legacy that you have to learn about to understand the coin to trying to defeat it and i really wish we'd have had something like that agreed those are what we thought were the not-so-goods for this episode of Friday the 13th of series. But we want to know what you thought needed just a little bit of work in this episode. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the contact form and let us know your not-so-goods. It's time to take a break during the Curious Goods Podcast. Our focus on Season 2, Episode 4. Tales I Live. We will be right back. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content, and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. 
Check it out now by accessing the Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a revisit, a retelling, and then always educational review of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 4, Tales I Live, Hence You Die. Every time we come back from break, it's time to uncover our manifest moments. The manifest moments are where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, an intrepid piece of storytelling, or something else that tripped our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what do you got? Well, Mike, for this episode, I have got to focus my manifest moment on the double rope-a-dope. Mm, good one. So during the episode, the evil ninja warriors attack Ryan and Jack mm-hmm. and we are we don't get to know what their fate is right. because it goes to commercial break mm-hmm. and when we come back from commercial break cheap Sean Connery is doing the last preparations on the final corpse and two individuals walk in in robes and and Cheap Sean Connery assumes that they are the two members of the coven that he sent out to dispatch the meddlers at the Curious Goods antique shop. Well said. Well, guess what? It's not. It's Jack and Ryan in disguise. And while watching the episode, I immediately, as soon as it goes to commercial, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, this is going to be the old knock the soldiers out and steal their uniform to infiltrate trope. And I was fine with that. Because I'm like, all right, they're going to sneak in. They're going to mingle with the coven. And just before the evil witch Satan's lover corpse is is resurrected, (laughs) they're going to jump into action, steal the coin, and get out of there. Well, that's not what happens. Right, right. They reveal themselves immediately. Jack's got the blade to cheap Sean Connery's throat. And he wants the coin. coin. Where's the coin? You know, I wouldn't have a problem slitting your throat. I'm like, whoa, Jack is getting savage. But But Mickey's dead, so so it totally makes sense. He sends Ryan off. He's like, take the body and, and, and get rid of it. Because with no body, they can't resurrect her. Right. Okay, so Ryan walks away with the body. Jack is being, quote unquote, led by cheap Sean Connery to where the coin is. But instead, it's a trap. And, you know, the zombies attack. 
and they take out Jack. And then they go and track down Ryan, who seems to be having trouble trying to get this corpse that shouldn't be shouldn't weigh that much at all out of the catacombs. Mm-hmm. Both of our heroes are captured. The corpse is placed on the altar. The ceremony starts. The coin is being used. It's like, ah, it, well, maybe they could kill somebody, uh, kill a bad guy with the coin so they can get some resurrection power to bring Mickey back. But what we don't realize is about to happen is Mickey is underneath all of the wrappings and stuff. And, and it's and her. a mask. Yeah, it's in a mask. Made. It's her by the mas- body underneath. I didn't even realize this until now. By the master craftsman art guy, Ryan. Ryan, who <laughs> we saw playing with Clay at the very beginning I of the episode. I didn't even think of they that. They set it up. Not to mention the fact that before the plan was put into action, they were looking at a book that showed what a recently exhumed corpse that was in the same state as the witch would look like. So all he had to do is copy that, put it on Mickey's, the the body that they stole from the morgue, and boom, Resurrection City. Very interesting. So the fact that I thought one thing was going to happen, and it did to a point, and then totally takes me somewhere else to where I am completely surprised by the the Mickey in a box that but that jumps out of of the robes and mask, it's it's stellar. It's mm-hmm. stellar storytelling. Mm-hmm. I did not see it coming. And when they can do that, especially for a dated show like this, I have to make that my manifest moment. Yeah, I, I think that's spectacular. My manifest moment inside of this episode has got to be overall stagecraft. There's something that I think a lot of people don't put in to the cone of value Mm. when you essentially have a show that has one set forever, which is the Curious Goods shop, always. But then you might have something else to use, asterisk, depending on the week and depending on where the production designer (laughs) staff is and where the cinematographer can go and what contracts have been signed or whatever. I would love to know more about the mechanisms of things like that. But inside of this episode, you don't really have a whole lot to play with here. I think what you have is maybe the back end of the set for the Curious Goods Shop where, you know, the taxidermy shop. (laughs) Because that's what it looks like, and it looks fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's a room and a half. I can't even be certain if the graveyard at the very beginning was a location or a set in a studio. Yeah. You know they they had everything so tight mm-hmm. that you can't fog you couldn't really yeah. you couldn't really tell now maybe if I watched it a couple more times I could go okay no I see some street lights and, no yeah. they're also so they're yeah. outside or there's black felt everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I love about this. yeah and what I've loved about this show for a long time is that they're able to take what is essentially limited ability use stuff and make the story fit within the confines of what they've got available. Yeah, yeah. I really find value in that. It, it, it makes me it makes me as a, a guy that has a recording studio want to try and make another usage for an area of my studio that I think is kind of wasted. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's an entire corner of our studio here that has a, a fire extinguisher in it. But other than that, that corner of the entire studio doesn't really do anything for anybody ever that's here. Right. And it would be great if there was something else on that wall that 
maybe even if it's just a photograph or something. Mm. But it's just kind of a blah wall where nothing happens and nothing gets done. Well, what they've done inside of everything that you see inside of this episode, no matter if it's somebody running with a camera behind some characters or just panning across as the characters run by or a static camera as they're on the front end of the taxidermy shop or outside of any of the shops. It's just a static camera. There's mm-hmm. nothing going on. But their usage of it during each and every scene inside of this episode is extraordinary. Yeah. It makes it larger than everything. The pentagrammed room ceremony scenes, those could all feel very claustrophobic almost instantaneously. And none of them do. Right. They all feel like they're in a reasonably open area that based on the storytelling, is in the bowels-slash-pits of underneath wherever the taxidermy shop lives. And it's been there forever. And there's a group of people that go there all the time and do dastardly things to try and And foster Satan. And it's a group of people. It's it's several dozen. Not just, okay, put four extras in In, robes and there's our coven. Right. And it's it's spectacular. The, the, The stagecraft inside of this is really, really wonderful. And I, I, I just loved it. I loved it inside of this episode. That's where we ask you guys, what was your manifest moment inside of this episode? Let us know by going to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the web form and tell us, what is your manifest moment for this episode? Ah, vocabulary. One of my favorite segments inside of our show where we focus on the vocabulary inside of this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Our first word is... Coven. Coven is recognized as a noun as an assembly of witches, usually 13. I didn't know about the number there. Did you know that? No, I didn't. I didn't realize that? that it needed to be a certain number. I just thought it was... Any gathering of witches that was more than two Interesting. Well, could no, be I, a coven. Uh, that's a wonderful revelation moment for yet another reason why we focus on the vocabulary. Our second vocabulary word is... Numismatics. Numismatics. A very interesting word that I found while looking for more coin stuff on the intertubes. When we go back to the information from our friends at Visual Thesaurus, it lists numismatics as... The collection and study of money, and coins in particular. The other reason I wanted to make sure we mention this is that numismatics is something very interesting, mostly because all during my college years I had a friend of mine. His name is Brian Cruz. Brian Cruz has had either a very small or personal coin shop. Yeah. And he knows a lot of the, the actual vocabulary words that are used inside of coin research. Mm. And I thought about calling him to see if maybe he could just talk about coins for a little bit, but it's something we couldn't get the mechanics worked out of. But the actual study of coins is a very interesting and deep study. It's not just ancient coin study, it's all coins. Because as you all know, you can reach into your pocket and or purse and pull out a coin. And there is something, even about a, a an inornate penny, that denotes it as that inornate penny, the, mm-hmm. the, the quality of the penny, how tactile the ridges on the coin are itself, the shine that is on the coin. All of those things have a specific name inside of the study of coins. Right. And it's an incredibly deep, rich study that I encourage everybody to look at. 
what do you remember from this episode in regard to vocabulary? There's a ton. There's a ton that we just blew by inside of this episode. Let us know what you think by going to our website over at Curious Goods Podcast. Fill out the quick web form and tell us which vocabulary you recognize from this episode. Ah, the rating here inside the Curious Goods podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. A recovered Mickey beaming with scarlet locks. A 1 is on the bottom end of the scale. I'll take the anal bum cover for 200. Everything starts at a 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick... There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I could rehash everything we've talked about in the retelling, in the goods and the bads, in our manifest moments, and drag this podcast out even longer. (laughs) But I'm not going to do that to the folks listening. Oh, you're so kind. I am. I am a very kind podcast host. This was a refreshing episode. Oh, yeah. This reminded me of quite a few episodes from season one that had... The great storytelling, the great pacing, the great acting, the great cursed object. Where this episode is concerned, when we popped it in to watch it before this recording, the name of it told us, okay, so we're going to be dealing with a coin here, right? If we don't see a coin within the first five minutes, then <laughs> then this episode is titled poorly. <laughs> and sure enough, within the first two minutes... We get that that first flip of the coin, and the old caretaker fights it. I'm like, all right. Even though this has a cheeky title to it, it totally fits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that that's another thing. This was a cheeky episode. There's just enough cheese underneath the meat of this that we get to have fun when we do the retelling, like we like we did earlier. We get to laugh. And it's not because we think it's ridiculous. It's because, yes, it's funny, but it was also really good. Oh, yeah. I have to rate this episode a 10. Nick, this episode was terrible. Yes. (laughs) No. You thought it was a a pile of coins. It was crap. No, this is a spectacular episode. The, The quality that is showcased here, again, the stagecraft, over the moon with the stagecraft. Right. The actual object, totally enamored with what we see here. It's it's such fun. The the potential of where you could take a coven of these coins, mm-hmm. spectacular. And I'm I don't even know if anything like that was even thought about way back when right. in the yeah. conception of the show or the conception of this episode where the word coven was even used and coven of coins. You and I love to jump on alliteration stuffs inside of storytelling like this. Yeah. And I don't know if any of the writers or the creative staff were those people back then, but man, a coven of a coven of cursed coins? How did someone miss that one? Because that would be absolutely epic, and I would love to see it used as a centerpiece <laughs> of the relaunch of this show, even if it's with like characters that are just ancillary related to people. Uh, I, I I would so love something like that, and then guest spots from maybe the people that are still with us, in in regard to what happens inside of the show. Something, yeah, something. It 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 beckons you for more 
And anytime I get to the end of an episode of anything when I get there, I have to go. Ten. This was a spectacular episode, and we're curious what you guys thought of this episode. Go on over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us a little bit about what you thought about this episode. Ah, the end of yet another episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. Nick, in honor of this episode's title and focal point, I'd like to flip a coin. Uh, okay. I'll tell you what. Heads, I win and get a cookie. Tails, you sacrifice yourself and raise Satan. Cool? Great. Here we go. What? It is I, the Dark Lord. Where are the cookies? <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Please use your conceited <laughs> title. I'm not read. conceited, Mike. I'm convinced. <laughs> convinced. We will evoke Satan's will. I almost want you to do cheap Sean Connery voice, can you? We will invoke Satan's will. <laughs> we have to do that. There's no way. Oh, Lord. We have to go back and do the coin then. So oh. then. <laughs> Here, the call's on me. I really hope you don't have a lot of him saying shit in this. I don't. All right. <clears throat> You've got my coin, and now I'm not doing Sean Connery at all. <laughs> totally lost it. Hey, bum cover. <laughs>